Welcome to the Tiger Mike Sports Show podcast, where sports is life. Here are your hosts, Tiger Mike Ingram and J.R. Duran. Welcome to the Tiger Mike Sports Show podcast. I'm your host, Tiger Mike Ingram, and with me always is my co-host and good friend, J.R. Duran. J.R., uh, you told me a little bit before the show started, you had a, an investment, as I cr- speak correct English here, you had an investment opportunity. Tell us a little bit more about that investment opportunity. Okay, so I mentioned on the show a couple times I'm a, I'm a pipe smoker, so pipe tobacco and there's this one company called mcclelland that is like u.s based it is the absolute best tobacco most people love it it's got like a cult following and then out of the blue they said we're closing we're shutting down we can't get the quality of tobacco and the flavor of tobacco we need to continue to produce our blends we sold all of our equipment it's done total shocker right yep so there's like this mad scramble anyone who smokes a pipe like gets this news McClellan's going out of business. It's like McClellan Geddon is what I was calling it. And everybody's like flooding sites and they're buying tobacco, which comes in like tins. So they're buying 10 tins, 25 tins, spending hundreds of dollars to like hoard this tobacco. And I thought, okay, everyone's buying it. It doesn't exist anymore. I'm going to buy some. I'm going to try and flip it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did, man. I, I bought some online and then I found out there was a tobacco shop uh, just like a, a 45 minutes on the other side of the border in Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, because their their taxes are like way cheaper than they are in Florida. So I go up there, I get a bunch of tins in McClellan, I come back, I post it on Facebook, post some on eBay. <laughs> and, selling, and this was like on Saturday. And then on Sunday, they start selling. And I, I told my wife like midnight when I crawl into bed, honey, I got to get some more tobacco. So this morning, I took my toddler like up to the tobacco shop, bought a bunch more, came back and pretty much on the way home. The 45 minutes on the way home, like they all got bought up. So oh, wow. came under fire. Guys were calling me like a, a, a greedy and an opportunist. And, you know, like basically this company has died. And here you are at the funeral selling there. <laughs> I was like, dude, what are you supposed to do? I'm, we, I can wait a month and I can sell it. Or I can sell it now, but I'm going to sell it. And people want to buy it because it is like a rare commodity now. So sorry, the body's still breathing, but here's the thing with supply and demand. Like if people miss out on something, they can never get it again unless somebody sells it to them. So there you go. I'd say my prices were fair. And in the end I I saved up some money and, or I sold, I made some money and, and uh, going to try and save it for part of a family vacation. So there you go. Nice. Well, you got to take, you got to take advantage of the opportunity that has presented before you. Any business person would do that. You're not being cutthroat. You just, you had that opportunity and you took advantage of it. I don't understand. Yeah, I can see why, you know, they're probably envious and jealous. Oh, you're greedy. You, you buy it all. Well, you had the opportunity. It's not your fault that they're going out of business. It's not your fault that you had access to this tobacco. So, you know, you, you scored. Yeah. And so I, I, I am not a cutthroat person, right? No, you're there's not. not like, no way. I, it's it was very difficult for me to do this because I thought like <laughs> oh people think I'm such a jerk wait am I a jerk like <laughs> <laughs> oh man then I was like wait 
you just got to be businesslike about this. You all do, right? yeah. People want it and you can sell it for really expensive or you can sell it for kind of expensive and I'm going to go kind of expensive and people wanted it, man. I had to buy a guy today and buy $400 worth. Oh, wow. And so it was just, it was one of those things. I don't know. I, as a writer, I thought it was very interesting. Like I would want to write a story about it. Um, mm -hmm. And then as a smoker, I knew the value of the tobacco. And so I jumped on it. So that, there's a lesson of the day, the Tiger Mike Sports Show lesson of the day. If you're an expert in something and you see an opportunity that's not going to last long, take the chance. Yeah, uh, as the, the the biggest one of the biggest sports cliches, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And if someone else didn't do it, if you didn't do it, someone else would have taken advantage, you know, and did it. So, like I said, you 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 were relentless. You took the opportunity. Yeah, you're thinking business like. Yeah, because what, what do you think happens in the business world? Oh, we're just gonna wait around and be nice and not and not take advantage of the market. Oh yeah, right. What do you think is gonna happen? They're gonna capitalize on that, and you definitely capitalized. Yeah. So it was it was. Yeah, it was cool, man. I I never do anything like that. I always I'm the guy who is like, um, I'm like Romo style regret of missing out. Like I, <laughs> like oh, if I only would have, or if I if I should have done this, or I should have known. And this is the first time where I was like, I did know, and I did something about it. So, mm. I don't know, it was it was cool. Nice. My, I, I was celebrating, and my little daughter comes up to me and she's like, Daddy, I got you a medal. I got you a trophy. <laughs> That's cute. A trophy. So nice. That's a great, great story. So, so what else is going on in uh, Jacksonville besides the, the, the theft of the tobacco? <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of people would agree with you. Okay. So the other thing that's going on here is that Blake Bortles um, was franchised and they are now talking about what they're, or, sorry. Well, yeah, he wasn't franchised. Yeah, he wasn't franchised. No, yeah. He signed. He signed a, a a deal with the Jags, and then the talk was, are they going to franchise Allen Robinson, uh -huh. who was their receiver that played like three plays last year and went down with a torn ACL? So nobody knows what's going to happen, but he's holding out, and everything's kind of like in limbo. So the football crowd is is very uh, nervous. Yes. Yeah. He. He tweeted, I think, something you reap what you reap what you sow with a big eye uh, emoji. So oh, I wonder if they told him, "Oh, uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna sign you, or we don't want you back. We're gonna keep Marquise Lee." I wonder if that's what they told him. I don't know, but he was their one like serious weapon besides Fournette. So, mm -hmm. yeah, man. I mean, that's that's it. That's how life is over here, man. How's I, nobody can see this, but your hair is looking real good right now. Oh, thank you. Like, yeah, it's the. I, it's it's the pompadour look. I'm going for the pompadour look. Yeah, and it's very thick. Like okay. I know you joke around about having a dad body, but you definitely don't have dad hair. That's like okay. a 20 year old, like okay. the main young tiger. <laughs> it's the it's the Filipino thick hair, as they say. The Filipino. Well, I'm starting to gray though, so I am kind of not a lot, but especially on my sides, I'm starting to gray. So I still, you know, people guess guesstimate. They say I'm between 24 and 28. But once, if you look close enough, you start seeing the gray. So people might or might start guessing that I'm in my 30s. Oh, okay. Look, so you have to take advantage of this. Like it's the silver fox thing, man. Uh, yes. You got to take advantage of it. The, 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 as the Filipinos say, the silver pox. Silver yeah. pox. So yeah, so I'll try to take advantage of it. Yeah. Here in uh, Arizona, we I haven't been out yet, but we got uh, spring training. Baseball is underway. So if you want to visit Arizona, good luck with that because... 
hotels, motels, Airbnb. They're speaking of inflation. There are def- prices are definitely inflated right now because everyone wants to come to uh, Phoenix to watch some baseball. Okay. Now, how's the weather out there, man? It's been good. Uh, it was mid seventies today. It's for like, like I said last time, it gets colder in the mornings for you know anything below sixties. Cold for people here. It's not me, but yeah. So they're all they're all freezing. But yeah, I like it. I enjoy it. I don't even need a jacket. So for me, it's good. Everyone else, no. <laughs> all right. All right. Yep. Yep. All right. So now moving on to the trending sports stories of the week. So this week, if we have time. We're going to talk about all these franchise tags. So you got Le'Veon Bell is going to be franchise tagged by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He said he was going to threaten to retire if he was going to be tagged. They could come up with a deal. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence is going to be tagged by the Cowboys. So they're not going to tag Des Bryant. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to Des Bryant. And also, as JR brought up before, we can talk about that. We can talk about who are the Jaguars going to tag. Are they going to tag Allen Robinson? because they got the deal with uh, Blake Bortles. Uh, Jimmy Graham is not going to resign with the C- the Seattle Seahawks. I wanted to say another word, but it wouldn't be uh, child-friendly. So it's he's going to try He might resign with the New Orleans Saints. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Also this week, or this week, past weekend, we had the NFL Combine. So all the college players go and uh, show off their stuff. There's some interesting... Uh, participants. You got uh, Shaquem Griffith. He did really well. You got Saquon Barkley and a couple other players. And it'll be interesting to see uh, this question has popped up. This has been the trending sports story of the day. So if you obviously Barkley uh, tested out, out, you know, outside of this world, essentially for his size, his height and his weight, do you take him number one, if you're the Cleveland Browns, or do you wait till, you pick a quarterback and wait and hope he's still there at number four. Do you think the Giants will pick him or do you think the Indianapolis Colts will pick him at three? So that is the conundrum of the day for most people have been arguing on uh, on Twitter. Also, we'll talk about the NCAA and amateur athletics with the allegations with Sean Miller at the University of Arizona. I wanted to say something about him, but like I said, I didn't want to you know, make accusations, but now it's out. But he got to go back. He was He missed a game and now he's back. So it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. Did ESPN just throw satire out there and make something up to get a hot take? Or is their sources still true? So those are the trending sports stories of the week. All right, JR. So if you are the Steelers and you plan on tagging Le'Veon Bell, are you going to call his bluff? And are you going to, do you think he's going to retire? I wouldn't put it past him to retire and come back next year with a different team it's possible under the current uh, regulations because the guy's an amazing player and he gets, he's underpaid. I mean, it's it, the only reason that I think people hesitate to say that he should be the top player in the NFL is because Antonio Brown is on his team. Yep, I really think. I mean, if there was no AB there, then, you know, they would be like, okay, Big Ben is not necessarily an elite quarterback, but he's top 10. There's just not, to me, there's not another player in the league who has been as consistent as Le'Veon Bell. Like Gurley had a great year this year and he had a lot of receiving yards, Mm -hmm. but he's still, I don't think, 
anywhere near the consistent talent that Le'Veon is. And Ezekiel Elliott, it's the jury's still out, but he's super talented. I mean, you would say that the only other running back in the league who can match Le'Veon's talent is is David Johnson. Mm -hmm. So the Arizona Cardinals, yes. Um, I don't know, man. It's it just it seems like Le'Veon Bell's being disrespected. I mean, that's all. I mean, that's that's what it is, man. Like he's just he's an amazing player, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure Steelers could win just as many games without Antonio Brown um, as they do with Antonio Brown. But I couldn't say the same for them if they didn't have Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You made yes. Uh, actually, I forgot. Let me let me backtrack here. I forgot to mention something near and dear to your heart. Uh, Javaris Landry is going to be. Uh, franchise so we'll talk about that after but back to your back to your point actually i think if i remember correctly my stats could be wrong actually the steelers have done pretty well without Le'Veon bell in the lineup versus not having a b in the lineup so, oh, so okay. I, I could be wrong but if i remember i'm getting old but if i remember correctly they've done pretty well without Le'Veon bell in the lineup but when antonio brown went out with his uh calf injury they didn't do as well or in historically when he doesn't play, they haven't done as well because they don't. They have, uh, you know, good you know receivers. You know, Juju Schuster, uh, Matavis Bryant's going to be gone, and who's the who's the other guy? Uh, um, there is him, Martavis Bryant, uh, Juju Smith Schuster. There's one more guy. He's fast, but you know, regardless of the fact. The obviously AB is probably you can argue one of the top receivers in the league. So if you don't have that deep threat or that receiving threat, then that's going to be you know tougher. Because if you look if you look all out through the NFL, the, the the teams that win the Super Bowl or go to the playoffs, they don't have that dominant running back. Well, we'll, we'll argue about this later because it'll be part of the drafting about Saquon Barkley. But it's all running back by committee. If you look at the Eagles, you have uh, Jay Ajayi and you have Legarrette Blount. Then if you look at the the Patriots, you got Deion Lewis, Burkhead, and uh, James White. So I, I would argue that the Steelers value the wide receiver position more than Le'Veon Bell, even though they are franchise tagging him. But he could uh, he could obviously he could retire, or he might be he might get traded because if he signs the the tag, he could be traded. And there's plenty of teams in the NFL that would definitely uh, accept a trade for him. Oh yeah, I I agree. I agree. So I, I mean, we've been through this before, mm-hmm. and I I just I don't know why do players do this? You think, Tiger Mike? Well, they want they want that longevity. They don't want this one year, even though it's full. I think it's fully guaranteed. A tag is fully guaranteed with injury. So if if a player gets tagged for one year, they want that longevity. But actually, it's smart. You might as well play it at least a tag as long as you can because it's guaranteed money. When you get when you sign long term deals like in the case of Blake Bortles, um, which we'll talk about later, uh, you can sign a one year thing, then just cut him. You know he's not going to get that money he is you know supposed to get because it's all backloaded. So they they save themselves money if it doesn't work out. At least with a tag, you can get tagged twice. You get that full guaranteed money, whatever that is. And it's going to be more than what they most most of the time tags are are worth more than what they're going to sign you to because because of the salary cap they're going to try to save money within the long run by extending out your contract. Oh, okay. And that's a good point. I mean, if you look at like okay, so for instance, because he's franchised, he's guaranteed 12 million dollars a year, mm-hmm. all right? Yep. 
after that, I mean, th- look at this. Devontae Freeman, 3.6 million. LaShawn McCoy, 3.6. Leonard Fournette, 6.7. Yep. You know, Zeke Elliott, 6.2. So, you know, it, it is a good point. I mean, he the franchise tag gets him more. Almost, He's getting paid almost as much as Devontae Freeman, LaShawn McCoy, and Leonard Fournette. And guaranteed, like average, mm-hmm. guaranteed money. So, yep. no, it makes sense. It, it makes sense, Tiger Mike. Yep. So he can get the money, but then also too the the Steelers can turn around and trade him to someone else, and they won't agree to trade him at the at the franchise tag. They'll agree to sign a long term deal, you know, with him, and it'll obviously be a lot less. He'll probably get probably close to maybe ten million instead of the twelve or nine. Who knows? It depends on the cap space of the team that wants to trade for him and what the going rate is for the NFL running back at the time. It's not going to be as much as a quarterback, obviously, and a wide receiver or a pass rusher, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I just get the feeling he's going to end up there. I mean, that's just... Yeah, they need it, him. Yeah, they need they need that running game. So they're going to have to tweak the salary cap, cut players, draft players, younger players, and hopefully they can fill in, and they might have to cut some of those veterans and those expensive players because you know you got to balance your budget as they say balance the budget all right well let's move on to uh blake bortles and are they gonna franchise alan robinson so since you are the local what what's your scoop what's your hunch what's your gut feeling what do you think is going to happen with the the situation there because if, if i if i read correctly maybe i'm wrong Essentially, this is a one-year trial deal for Bortles. If he plays well, he'll continue his contract. But if he messes up and screws up and it doesn't play well, they can cut him after the nineteen million or whatever he's going to get this year. That's, I mean, that's that's true, man. And so everyone's been talking like, okay, it doesn't matter if he does well or he doesn't. They can cut their losses, and it's not going to cost them a lot of money because of the way the contract is structured. Now, what like people are confused about is the stance that the Jaguars are taking on Allen Robinson in the receiving core. So they a, a lot of people thought Marquise Lee is going to be gone, and he's an average receiver. Like I know that um that not everybody knows who he is, but he's kind of like a, a 250 hitter, right? Like he, yeah. <laughs> he and, and he's not great and he's not awful, but he's not inspiring either. Uh and the Jaguars management, Dave Caldwell and Tom Coughlin have been really tight lipped and almost like a little coy about what they're going to do with, with Robinson. So I don't know. The thing is like, if you let him go, then who do you have to fill his place, man? Yeah. Who's the backup? Yeah. Richardson. Mm -hmm. And he's had some good games, but he's, he's not a proven number one. Yep. So essentially what's happening is Robinson is up in the air. You have two, receivers who were rookies last year and Dede Westbrook and Keelan Cole mm-hmm. who had some decent flashes and Keelan Cole actually was like a, a top 10 receiver in the last five games of the year. Yeah. He's fast. Uh, yeah. yeah. He had that big catch against the Steelers too. So I, I, either they think that those receivers are going to be good enough to be number two, number three, maybe even number one, um, or they have some kind of offense set up to where they know they need a certain type of receiver. I, I just, it's nobody knows what's going to happen. Yep. So, so actually, uh, I don't know if you heard what uh, Ray Lewis said. So, uh, the people at Fox Sports brought this up to him with the situation with Bortles. They uh, would. Um, they asked him, "Would you keep Blake Bortles?" He goes, "Heck yeah! If I could go back in 
when the Ravens, when Trent Dilfer was the quarterback and they let him go and signed Elvis Garback, I would have kept Trent Dilfer because we know him. He worked. He knew the system. We knew his strengths, weaknesses. That, that's all we need. We just need the quarterback that we know can play up, that can get us at least not make mistakes and you know, be that that game manager. And that's what that's what Ray Lewis said. And Ray Lewis said, I would keep uh, – Blake Bortles. So that was actually, that was a shock. I was surprised. Well, yeah, Blake Bortles, like, is that like, you're playing like a a racing game, right? Whether it's like cars or boats or whatever. And there's always that one car that's like not really good at anything, but Mm -hmm. it gets a decent score because it's like average, Yep. like steering, uh, handling, suspension, engines, everything's average. And there's (laughs) nothing really awesome. But if you want a car like to, get through like a track without spitting out or crashing that's the one that you go with and as you get better and, and you feel more comfortable then you go with a car that maybe has a lot more power but mm-hmm. it can get real score turns yep. so blake Bortles is, is that like card that's like rated at 75 you know what to expect from it not going to be too many surprises and you're comfortable with it and that's that you know mm-hmm. he's like the he's like uh he's like the brown rice of NFL. <laughs> okay, it's it's probably good for us to keep him, and it's very boring, and you know, it's it could be a, the healthy choice for them just to keep things as they are. But mm-hmm. look, if it was up to me, you know, I'd be having white rice with a little sriracha and soy sauce. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. You, you want you want the the jasmine rice with with better taste. Actually, speaking since you spoke of cars, uh, I got to tell you an interesting story. Back in my uh, my AGO days. Um, our my pledge brother, uh, Emo, um, he had a 240Z Nissan 240Z. So we're talking about fast cars, right? So you go from that average car to the fast car. Okay, so we were we were leaving church, College Avenue Baptist, and you know College Ave to turn yeah, on. Yeah. So he turns on the College Ave. He speeds out. He loses control, and we're going into oncoming traffic because that car is like 400 horsepower <laughs> or something. I'm like, I ca- I cannot repeat what I said, but. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, wow. So yeah, we almost died, you know, leaving church. Coming, you know, he speeds out. He has no control over this car. And then he goes afterwards. Oh, I was in control the whole time. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, bro. And by in control, you mean you were saying you're like final rites of passage yes. before you mm-hmm. died and went to the pearly gates. Yeah. Yes, I was. I saw my life uh, flash before my eyes. Then, since we're on the cars situation, I might as well tell this story because I think you. You, you, I don't know if you remember this one. So when uh, High C, Oso, Kodak, and myself, we go to Vegas. So we leave at like nine, 9 o'clock at night. We don't go to sleep. We drive there. We gamble for a little bit. Then we did not sleep. We drive back. So I'm sleeping. We, we, and then we take Kodak's car. Then I'm sleeping in the back. All of a sudden, I wake up. There's a, this car in front of us. and We're in the middle lane. This car was passing because I guess hands was you know, going back and forth. And they were passing each other. And I wake up. All of a sudden, the car, the, the, it was, I think it was, a, if I remember correctly, it was a, a Mitsubishi Spider, Or a, what's what's their other one? Not a Spider. What's their other car? I, I can't remember the, the model. But so it's in the left lane. It's turning right to pass us. We nick it going, turning in the left lane. So he starts spinning and starts flipping like over and over and over. And then he lands on, on his hood, on the or not his hood, the, his roof. So he's upside down. Then it's all going slow motion, you know, like in the movies. Then we then we're we're skidding off the road, and everyone's yelling. Then Haisifa yells something that I cannot repeat. 
<laughs> and we're all we're all yelling. And then then we go off and we stop. But if we would have skied twenty feet further, we would have we would have went flying into a ditch. Oh geez, man. Okay, lots of the story here. Don't ever have Tiger Mike in your car as a passenger. Yeah, so you have have me as the driver because I'm the safe driver. Even Kodak <laughs> might disagree with that, but. <laughs> oh man, I yeah, I remember that story, and like everybody was just like, "What happened? Weren't you guys in like some kind of seedy motel?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were like, in a shady uh, motel. We we're just waiting for Kodak's mom to pick us up, and uh, I hope. I, well, I don't know if Kodak listened. Forgive me, Kodak, for saying this, but your mom isn't the best driver, so <laughs> she's she's jerky. So every time she would break, we would jump. We were like freaked out because you know it's it's PTSD. So we're like, oh, yeah. you know, we we jump. So we were all freaking out. It took a couple days to you know, get over that. And I slept for like two days because we didn't sleep the day, you know, that night coming back. And, uh, yeah. So then obviously we had PTSD for a few days. But yeah. That was, that was a crazy, you know, speaking of cars, two cars. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, I've been in the same situation in high school where a guy had this Mustang with like some kind of special engine in it and just like gunned it through an intersection and started spinning around. And it was like terrifying. It still bothers me to this day, you know, like I've, <laughs> be like passenger when it comes to riding in a car so that stuff stays with you it does it just, yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's yeah it's trauma it's traumatic so it's like ingrained in your brain so you know anytime you probably i don't think i do that much anymore when someone breaks hard i don't get fidgety but yeah like i, said, I remember when kodak's mom would, was you know oh there was some camp girl there too she's former 80 kai she was with kodak's mom uh i can't remember her name now she was older though um, but I can't remember the name, but she was with her too. <laughs> then every time we break, break, we everyone just jump. It was hilarious. Well, it wasn't oh, really, man. but yeah. Jeez. Okay, so this situation you described is like the opposite of Blake Bortles. Essentially, yes. He's not the he's not the <laughs> fast, you know, car. He's like the you're driving through the neighborhood like on a Sunday afternoon, going to the gas station for some nachos mm-hmm. and a, a Miller Lite. Or he's the minivan that we we were picked up in. My contact's mom. Yeah, he's the minivan. Right? <laughs> he is. He's the minivan that you like. You get in the in the race game just to be fun. Like, oh, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive the minivan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there there is a tangent story for you guys. But segueing into the next one, so your your boy uh, Javaris Landry's been tagged by the Dolphins, and he's agreed to sign it to be traded because the Dolphins are going to trade him. So you think the the Jags are not going to sign or tag Allen Robinson and trade for your boy. Would, would that be like a dream come true for you? Yes. I would love to see Jarvis Landry here, man, because he is a historic NFL receiver. No receiver has had more receptions in his first four seasons than Jarvis Landry. Uh, so I, I just think it's great. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to read a lot. And I'm pretty sure that the guy who came up with the pacemaker was named Jarvis. So that name has always <laughs> stuck with me, significant part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have something to do with it, but I just think he's a great receiver. Like he just, he catches the ball when he needs to catch the ball. And that's the kind of receiver the, the Jags need. I mean, okay, look, everybody, Allen Robinson was a great receiver in 2015. He had more than 1,400 yards. He led the NFL of, I think, 14 touchdowns. But that was not him in 2016, and the offense is just very different than what it was like three years ago. Yep, that is true. And also with up, upcoming, they haven't said yet. Other, there's a lot of actually a few other wide receivers that are going to be 
you know, free agents that are probably not going to be tagged. Sammy Watkins. Uh, who else? There's one. There's one more. I can't think of the other one that's supposed to be. Oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, it'll come to me eventually. But essentially, you got enough wide receivers out there that are going to be free agents that you. Oh, Des Bryant. Des Bryant's not going to. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that later. But Des Bryant's going to be probably not franchised because, as we'll get to later, Dallas is going to franchise a pass rusher on their team. So yeah. So there's that. So moving on. Speaking of which, moving on to the Cowboys. So the Cowboys are going to franchise Demarcus Lawrence. So a another uh, uh, pass rusher is off, you know, off the street, and so was Ziggy Anza, the Lions. So there's not many good pass uh, rush, rushers out there. So what do you, what do you think is going to happen with Dez? You think Dez is going to take less money with the Cowgirls? I don't know because I mean, let's think about it. Like he has totally disappeared, totally disappeared. After Romo like stopped playing, yep, it's been like a non-factor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so maybe maybe it's just that Dak is not a great passer. He's an efficient passer, but he's not a great passer. Mm-hmm. Catch against the Packers in the playoffs that just kind of like bad karma. But if that's the case, right now that the NFL has said Dez's catch was a catch, maybe the guy's gonna resurrect himself from like all the demons and have an amazing year. You know? Yeah. Well, if you look at it, Dez, Dez was still uh, playing or you know playing in the Tony Romo offense, which is more vertical, the old Norv Turner offense. I would say that uh, Dak is more of a horizontal, like a West Coast or what the Patriots run, more of a horizontal passing quarterback, and Dez is more of the go, you know, the go route, go get the jump ball, or you know, go in the middle, and I guess. Uh, Dak can't really throw those fade routes, those you know long comeback routes. So yeah, maybe that's why Dez's numbers have been down. Well, and think about it too. Like Jarvis Landry would be the perfect West Coast offense receiver, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Run those slants. Yep, those short routes. Yep, possession receiver. And the Dolphins already have Devonte Adams. I mean, uh, yeah, wait, Devonte Parker. Mm-hmm. Jags maybe let Robinson go and they bring in Des Bryant. I mean, I I don't know. He doesn't seem like really a Tom Coughlin kind of a player, though. You know yeah, what I mean? A He's like selfish diva. Yep. But I just don't see. Okay, look. If you think about all the the free agent wide receivers out there, you have a guy who was a quarterback in Terrell Pryor. Mm-hmm. You have Taylor Real, who showed a little bit of flashes at the end of the 2016 season, but he basically disappeared last year. Yep. Sammy Watkins, which everyone loves, but the guy had. The guy had some red zone touchdowns last year, but he hasn't had a decent season. Yeah, he's just a red zone scorer, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Dontrell Inman, who was like a possession receiver. Mm-hmm. The one guy that I really like is Devontae Adams, man. Yeah. He's, I love that guy. And the, the Packers, you know, locked him up. So um, it'll be interesting to see because uh, what's his face? Uh, Jordy Nelson might be let go too because he might be too expensive and he's always hurt. Yeah. So it, you know, I guess you can always dream, you know, like yeah. I, um, but like I just, yeah. And Martavis Bryant is kind of, he's, he's been just a diva. Hold. Yeah. He's been a diva with the Steelers. He wants to be traded, but they're not going to trade him. Yeah. So it's like the, to me, the only consistent receiver is uh, Jarvis Landry and everybody else is kind of like, Oh, this guy showed flashes like John Brown, you know what I mean? From the, mm-hmm. from the Cardinals. He's fast. Yeah. Even Dez is no longer a dominator. Yeah, he's not a number one receiver anymore. 
unless he's like on the Browns, even then that could be questionable, but <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, like the Browns where everyone goes to just become insignificant. Yeah, to so die, I, essentially to die. You want your career to die, yeah. go there. So I, I, it's just weird, Tiger Mike. Like there's not, you have like these marquee quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's an unprecedented year for quarterbacks, but the wide receivers just suck, man. Yeah, even in the draft too, which we'll get to later, there's not many big time receivers in the draft. Well, if you look at the last couple of Super Bowls, I think we talked about this last time or the time before or sometime, uh, the past uh, Super Bowls, there hasn't been that one superstar, you know, wide receiver. They've been, you know, the number twos or like a lower tier number one, but they're not that dominant wide receiver like a Julio Jones. Like you, you thought they were going to win last year. You know, Julio was going to be that receiver. They're going to break that trend, but nope, the Patriots come coming back. Man, this year uh, with the Eagles, they didn't have like a true dominant number one, you know, receiver. Alshon Jeffrey, is he a superstar dominant receiver? No. Is he a lower tier number one? Yeah, maybe you can argue he's number two. So yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where these receivers go and how they will fit with these teams that are quarterback needy or they already have established quarterbacks. Yeah, and it's just so interesting, man, because you think about the 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 Patriots and the Eagles mm-hmm. and Cowboys and the Broncos, and I. I would say as far as star offensive players go that are not quarterbacks, you have like Marshawn Lynch. Let me think about it. Like, was the was there a star receiver on a on a Super Bowl winning team? Well, I I nope. don't I mean Marius Thomas, yeah, at least decent not, game. Yeah, the, yeah, he had a game when the, the Broncos beat the the Panthers, but he's not but even since then, then till now, a couple years ago, he's not a superstar receiver anymore. He was not. He's probably maybe top ten now, but he used to be top five. But yeah, he's not a superstar. Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders was that number two guy. He's not as good. There, the Broncos are hoping to keep them. But yeah, so I'm trying to think of the last time there was a star star receiver that won the Super Bowl. Uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't have one. Santonio Holmes wasn't a star receiver. You could have made the argument if the Cardinals would have won that year. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Um. Yeah, Nelson was kind of like an average receiver mm-hmm. in that game. Yep, like basically pushed him into number one, and he had great seasons. But all those seasons came after that that Super Bowl. Um. Yeah, Ravens, Torrey Smith, and Anquan Bolden when they beat you know my Niners. Uh, they, they weren't superstar receivers. Who else? Yeah, I don't think there's been a superstar receiver that's won the Super Bowl probably since probably the Cowboys and Niners when you got Irvin Rice. Because uh, the uh, the Packer, uh, well, Rod, okay, look, Rod Smith wasn't, could, a, yeah, Rod Smith wasn't a superstar receiver when the Broncos won. You could argue that Isaac Bruce, maybe. Yeah. Like, well, actually, but, what's his face? Not Isaac Bruce. Tory Holt? Holt was a better receiver. Yeah, you can maybe yeah. that can probably be maybe the, the the most recent. But even then, there that wasn't a super. They were just a product of that system of the of the Mike Martz, you know. Uh, what they call it, turf uh, speed. Greatest show, yeah, greatest show, yeah, greatest show on turf. So yeah, that might be so, been a product. So why, why, why haven't these, why haven't these Super Bowl teams had a super bar, superstar receiver? Because now, well, the salary cap is going up, but you don't really need that anymore. It's essentially, it's ba- you need a a a decent quarterback. Like now, you don't even need a first round quarterback to win the Super Bowl. Besides, the last two first round picks were the Manny brothers. You can maybe say Aaron Rodgers. 
uh, Flacco, they were in the later round. Big Ben was, what, number five, six? Yeah, so, first round. Yeah, there were still first-round quarterbacks that won the Super Bowls, but you don't need that number one pick, which we'll get to later. Do you, should you draft a quarterback number one, or should you, should you draft the best running back, the, the once-in-a-generation running back as number one? But, yeah, so you don't need a number one quarterback anymore. You have uh, you know, Tom Brady, six-round pick. Uh, who else has won the Super Bowl? Jake DeLome wasn't a first. He, he made it, but he didn't win. Let me go back. Yeah, so essentially all they've been first-rounders, but Tom Brady's been a six-rounder. And the majority, if you look historically, not in the last 18 years, majority of the quarterbacks haven't been first-round picks until recently. Yeah, and I I always think like you don't need a, an amazing quarterback to get to the Super Bowl, but you to, pretty much... To win, it. yeah, you need it. To win it. So that, I mean... Yeah, Blake, yeah, uh, what's what's his face? Uh, uh, Foles, he was a thir- fourth rounder. Was yeah, a, yeah. So, but he but he's a serviceable quarterback though. He doesn't make mistakes. So, and Russell Wilson was a third rounder. He won. So yeah, so, true man. Yeah. So you know, you don't always need a first rounder, and you don't always need a first pick as your quarterback. That's true. Hey, yeah. words of wisdom yeah. to live by yes. from Tiger. <laughs> All right, moving on now to the Combine. So speaking of an inspiring story, uh, Shaquille Griffin's Combine performance. So this guy lost his hand as a baby or a toddler. So he, he was born with a, a disability that made, they had to cut it off. So he's been playing sports and football ever since without essentially, I don't mean to be, uh, what's the word? I don't mean to be grotesque here or um, frank, but he played with a stub. Essentially that's, you know, that's, that's what it is. Yeah, that's, he has it. He has a sub around. There's no hand there. Yeah, there's no hand there. So essentially, yep. So that's, uh, you know, that's what it is. And he ran a. He's like six feet. You know, two hundred and. He's a linebacker essentially, so 250, 240 something pounds. He ran a four three eight. So compare that with other people who ran. That was the fast, like the third fastest forty time at the combine, going up against wide receivers defensive backs and running backs. So he ran faster than Saquon Barkley. He ran faster than majority. He ran faster than Patrick Peterson, than, uh, than uh, Odell Beckham, like a bunch of other players. He ran way faster than current NFL players and players that were at the combine. And he used a prosthetic to lift weights. He did 20 reps at the bench press. He thought he was hoping to only get six. But this guy, um, this guy, did 20 and he was training for it, but he was surprised. He even shocked himself. So that was very inspiring to see a guy who's overcome many obstacles in his life. And obviously teams doubted him. He wasn't even invited to the, to the, to the combine. And he finally got invited to the combine by showing off at the uh, senior bowl games, the Reese's senior bowl game. So, yeah, so that's, that's crazy. What, what do you think about his performance at the combine? I think it's crazy. I mean, they're, they're definitely like he, is the fastest linebacker, like, like the fastest in like a decade, and that's just crazy. His brother last year ran like the same time, so a four three eight. But his brother's a cornerback, yeah, so, and, and, so and he's like, a lot lighter. Yeah, they're twins. <laughs> and it's like, oh man. Now, okay, so the, the question is like, okay, or is it like, you know, I'm sure he sees himself as a football player. But then everybody sees him, the guy that has like the dub for the hand. But I mean, he's, you know, 
he's a legit football player. Yeah, he's, he's you know, like as 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 true definition of what a football player is. That's what he is. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's actually it's pretty amazing, um, and it makes me think back to like players who there wasn't there one linebacker who was deaf who came through who was deaf. Uh, I don't know about a linebacker. I know there's a fullback on the on the Seahawks. Now he was on the. He's on the Falcons. Like his name is uh, escaping me, but there, there was I think an was it maybe it was a linebacker, it was an offensive lineman. I know there were college players like that, but I can't think of any any deaf linebackers off the top of my head right now. But you might okay, yeah. But but well, it's not a. But still, yeah, it's still difficult because you can't hear the you can't hear the snap count. You you know you can't hear you know the defense being called, so you have to read lips. But yeah, it's it's pretty amazing, man. Like he yeah he. I, I think he just blew everyone's minds and that speed, the speed is the key Yeah. because you know, that's like the, that's like the gold standard. Like what is your 40 time? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just four, three, eight. I mean, that that's, that's just, fast. Yeah, that's blazing fast. And, and sometimes you can, and coaches and scouts say this, you can run a fast 40, but you're not football fast, you know, on the field with pads. So just watching video of him playing, he's still fast with pads on. So he's fast and quick and he's football fast. He's just not a fast, you know, you know, player, you know, just as a, a quick 40 time, because there's difference between football fast and, you know, just a sprinter 40 time. Yeah. And even Richard Sherman backed him up. He says if he doesn't get drafted in the first two days, the system is broken. Yep. Because then there's definitely a bias. Uh, would the correct word to be? Uh, well, it's, but it's, man, think about it. Like, what, you, what would it be discrimination? That's, that's the ultimate question. Is, is he being discriminated against because he has a disability? Um, even though he's performed at a higher rate than most other positions at his position and other positions. Uh, I mean, it's a good question to ask because like it's the NFL draft. Like if you have any kind of small flaw, whether it's physical, Mm -hmm. emotional character, like it all comes up. But what's interesting is that teams are willing to take a chance on a guy with bad character just because, you know, like, I don't know, they're the Browns and they want, Manziel. Yep. So <laughs> like I don't think it's gonna be that big of a deal because I think they've seen that like JPP can play at a pretty high level. Yeah, missing a finger. Yeah. So I mean, who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen? But I just think I think that the guy's a beast of an athlete and he played for a team that played pretty well this year and he's talented. Yeah. And he's an and that those are the things that they look for at the combine. Well, well, worst case scenario, you can draft him in, like I said, the second day. He can lead your punt team. He can lead your kickoff team. And you can put him in situational football where when, when defense is going to dime, he can be that, you know, that, that hybrid linebacker where he's so fast, he can cover those tight ends and shifty slot receivers that try to go underneath. So, you know, it's a, it's a win-win situation. Yeah, does he have flaws? Yes, but so does every other player. But but as a player, he's a football player. So if the if they don't sign him, then yeah, then that tells me that they're just scared because you you can't deny that he's not a football player. It's just they don't want someone with a disability on their team. They they think he's not going to be effective in their system. That's the only thing I can think of of them them not drafting him. Yeah, that's a shame. I mean, the guys the guy has a lot of credentials. I mean, he's MVP of the uh, the Peach Bowl, man. When UCF beat Auburn, yeah, finished thirteen and zero season like. I mean, he's he's played with a tough competition and he's excelled. So yeah, you got to give him a shot, man. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But it's just like, 
like the NFL is like the owners are just like, it's like mean girls all over again. Like you get on somebody's bad side, you cast a little doubt and people don't think you're worth the investment. Then yep. you're, you're mentally blackballed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So what do you think about the Colin Kaepernick situation? Oh, we're <laughs> going, going back. Oh. So, no so, kidding, so I know it's not, not beat a dead horse. You can listen to episodes one through who knows how many episodes we talked through at least no, seven, one through like six. Probably. Yeah. At least one through six we talked about. Yeah. So if you want to know Tiger Mike's uh, position on that, go to episode, listen to episodes one through six. Cause we don't want to beat a dead horse. So going back to, yeah. going back to the combine. Now we, this can be the trend, the, the big Twitter war. So the Browns are picking one in four. And Saquon Barkley has this, you know, crazy combine where he runs like a four four, has like twenty nine reps, I think, on the let me go back to me so I don't screw this up. Um he has Yeah, that's I think twenty nine reps. Twenty yeah, twenty nine reps and he ran a four four, you know, four four something, forty, I think four one, four four four, I forget. Um, so this guy for his size and height, he's just the all powerful back and everyone's like blowing up. It's like, Oh, you got to pick him. Number one. He's the once in a generation running back. But if you're a quarterback, I mean, if you're a team that needs a quarterback, do you wait and draft him? Number one, since he's the next it running back, or do you wait till he, as the Browns, number four, get your quarterback you want? Cause Josh Allen had a really good combine. He, uh, Sam Darnold didn't throw Josh Rosen didn't throw well. He, and I heard his, interviews some of them didn't go well baker mayfield had a pretty good uh combine the ball zipped out of his hand but josh allen just ran away with it he he threw like a 70 yard dime in that obviously it's against air but still a 70 yard dime so if you're the browns do you pick a quarterback at number one or do you pick uh saquon barkley first and hope the quarterback you like is there at number four i don't think you take a quarterback at all really yeah man i mean like the Browns consistently screw up, man. And a lot of it has to do with their quarterback. So go say Quan Barkley at number one and whatever else need they need to fill at number four. But like, I just don't understand that. Like you drafted Deshaun Kaiser. He was in the later rounds. He wasn't like a first round pick and you have an awful team. You don't really have any weapons. Your running backs are just, they're awful. I mean, the best offensive player on their team, arguably is Duke Johnson Jr. who's a running back that can't make up his mind if he wants to be a receiver or not. Yep. <laughs> so it's like like they consistently have problems at quarterback, but I don't think the problem is the quarterback. And and it's just the last time they had a decent receiver was Braylon Edwards. And then Derek Anderson had that crazy year where he threw for a bunch of yards and Braylon Edwards had 1,500 yards. I mean, mm-hmm. work on other parts of the team. Like just bite the bullet with your quarterback, man. Like, yeah, you can't them. Like how? How? It's just crazy. Saquon at number one. All right, so let me let me ask you this. So yeah, they they picked up Kaiser in the second round, but these are the quarterbacks that they passed on in the last couple years. So they pass on. Let's go back to last year. Deshaun Watson. The year before that, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff. They trade out. So that was then. The, then the the couple years before that, they draft Brandon, you know, Whedon at 18 then they draft uh what's his face uh brady brady quinn out of notre dame so you think after so so since they they passed on at least in the in in recent history they they pass on jared golf and carson wentz 
And last year, Deshaun Watson, uh, he, you know, he was he was he was the great. They they, they could have drafted, they, but they got uh, Houston's pick, you know, with that trade. But he passed on, you know, could have been a generational quarterback right there. And then so when don't you want to pick that franchise quarterback? Because let's be honest, Kaiser's not that he's not ready. He's not a franchise quarterback. You can make the argument that any of those four quarterbacks with Darnold, Rosen, uh, Mayfield, and Josh Allen, they could be better than than uh, than Kaiser. And you have, guess who, as free agent coming from the Bengals, who got granted a free you know free agent. McCarron. Yep, A.J. McCarron. So have A.J. hold Fort for a year or two, grab your quarterback you want at number one, and have him sit and learn for a couple of years because that's what rookies need. They at least need two. Well, look what happened to Garoppolo. He, he had four years under Brady. Same thing with uh, with Aaron Rodgers over Brett Favre, as you correctly yeah, okay. pronounce it. So, come on, Tiger Mike, come on. AJ McCarron is not Tom Brady or Brett Favre. Well, he's, he's, so, he, well, he's not, but is, is, is he better than Deshaun Kaiser? No, man. He's like, not? he. He he studied under the great tutelage of Andy Dalton. Yeah, but he has more. Like, he has more experience though than than Kaiser does. Yeah, I think so. Well, I, okay. So here's my beef. Like, we all look back on the way the quarterbacks have performed, and we assume that they would have done that on the Browns. And I don't think that that is it's a valid conclusion. Would uh, Deshaun Watson been as dynamic of a player on the Browns? Possibly he. He he didn't have much of an offensive line. Remember, they got rid of Dwayne Upton. Is it Dwayne Upton? They they traded him to the. I think so. Yeah, they traded him to the to the Seahawks. So he didn't have a he didn't have a left tackle. The offensive line wasn't great. Majority of them were hurt. Defense was shot. You know, you don't have JJ Watt. You don't have Brian Cushing, who they let go. So essentially, you have Jadavion Clowney. So he he did pretty well. If they they wouldn't be. You know the 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 Houston Texans wouldn't been in that fourth spot given to the Browns if Deshaun Watson was playing because he he picked up that team, so he is that good. I mean, you can make the argument that the Browns are similar at least in offensive line and defensive line. They don't have maybe they don't have the uh, Hopkins receiver, but they have Josh Gordon. He's not he's not as good, but he's good enough. They have other receivers. Yeah. Okay. So they have Josh Gordon and they have Corey Coleman, mm-hmm. but. DeAndre Hopkins is a top five receiver. Awesome. And they, when Will Fuller came back, they were like unstoppable. Well, the Niners beat him. The Niners were, were a horrible team. Yeah, but that's true. But it's, it's still like it. And other teams just, beat him. Other other crappy teams beat him at the end of the season. That's why they, they were supposedly picking fourth, but then they gave that pick to the Browns. I know, but like the thing is, like you, you just can't you can't say. Well, if Jared Goff would have been on the Browns, oh man, he would have played at the same level because the Browns don't have Sean McVay, they don't have Todd Gurley. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have a a, a top defense. Like, yeah, yeah, but they could have drafted that last year instead of you know, with with the, with their GM, what's his face? I forget his name now. The the well, he wasn't analytics, but he followed the analytics. He he always trade his his top draft picks. He could have drafted a running back. He could have draft. You know, they, they could have drafted. Saquon Barkley, if they had a quarterback this year at number one, even though Wentz or Goff or uh, Deshaun Watson would have struggled, they would have made their team better. Okay, well then, how about this? Like they they draft Saquon first, and then they have their pick: Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold. 
Yeah, but what? But what if the the Giants pick their okay? Let let's say the Browns have their favorite. So whoever pick you know one out of the four. What if the what if the Giants or someone trades up and grabs the quarterback they want and they don't like Rosen, they don't like Allen, they don't like uh, Baker Mayfield? Well, they're supposed. First of all, the white dual threat core QBs never do anything in the NFL. That's my number one rule. So yep. We talked about this. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks. But each one, you can argue that Allen and Rosen and Darnold at one point in the last year have been tagged like a franchise QB, right? Mm-hmm. So does it matter which franchise they play for? It doesn't matter, but you might have a memory. You might have a different fit, system fit. So Darnold might, depending on what offense each team runs, like I said, they're not going to. They're not going to draft a player who is not going to fit their system or fit, you know, the, the culture of the of the team too. So they're not going to draft probably Rosen because he's he's a diva and he he's like a Jay Cutler. Like he he's lack lackadaisical about his play. He doesn't he just goes by talent. Doesn't really you know work at it. So they're not going to draft. they what if they lose that? Well, okay, hypothetically, okay, let's say they want Darnold. Then the Giants pick Darnold after they pick Barkley. Then who are you going to go after next? Hopefully the Allens there, even though they don't like Allen because he's not accurate he has happy feet uh i don't know yeah. how about lamar jack he, he's I, I watched his well remember we're going back to the running quarterback he's he's like a michael vick but a worse passer he has like a weird hitch in his throw i was watching his combine he doesn't look like a good passer he's a great athlete don't get me wrong but he he's gonna need to sit for a couple of years because he doesn't look like his his fundamentals his mechanics aren't good at least for my i could be wrong i'm no expert but just watching him throw he didn't look too well. He missed his receivers a lot. And he didn't run the 40 because he didn't want to be tabbed as a receiver because a bunch of uh, teams asked him to do re- receiver uh, drills. So he didn't, he didn't even run the 40. Bro, does that ever work out, though? Like, think about it. Braxton Miller, Terrell Pryor, who had... Well, Braxton Miller's been a decent uh, slot quarterback. He's been hurt. But I would say out of all the quarterbacks who've turned receiver, I would say Edelman, number one. But Edelman played at a Division three school. Then I would say Braxton Miller second. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but it depends. Like I said, you, you could even put Kaepernick as a receiver, but he's not—he's not—he's fast, but not that fast. But yeah, I don't know. It, it depends because Pryor, Pryor was a crappy quarterback anyway, and as a receiver, he did—he played pretty well with Cleveland. But then once he went to the, you know, the Redskins, didn't didn't work. So it just depends on the team and which coaches they have. If they have like maybe the Patriots coaches, maybe they can make it work, but. Beyond that, I don't know. Well, I, okay, I I think they need to take the running back at number one. I mean, that's just I, – I, I, to me, it begs the question, like, who's going to do worse behind a bad offensive line, uh, an incredible quarterback or an incredible running back? But they don't have an off, bad offense killer, bad offensive line. They still have Joe Thomas. They have good guards. They lost uh, what's his face, Alex Mack, to the Falcons, but they have a decent. It's not like bad as everyone thinks. It's okay. So it's not like horrible. It's not like the, it's not like the 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 David Carr years of the Houston Texans where he gets sacked ten times a game. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But you know, I I just I I don't think that I I just think all the comparisons are are not valid comparisons. Like, oh, we missed out on this quarterback, like Jared Goff, or we missed out on um, 
sorry, we missed out on Deshaun Watson. I mean, mm-hmm. and Carson Wentz. Yeah, but if you look how they play, yeah, they're on different teams, but they're all better than than Deshaun Kaiser, though, too. Oh, that's true. I mean, Kaiser was pretty awful last yeah, year. Pretty horrible. Did so, he get turnovers? I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, him, him, and uh, who else? Who he like? It was pretty close with someone else too. But yeah, Mariota, I think. Yeah, Mariota. Yep. So, and the, and he got two. And Mariota is getting a new offensive coordinator, so it'll be interesting to see how he does. But yeah. Oh, how about this? The Browns draft quarterback number one and go Rashad Penny number four, who is who's who's a San Diego State product, who is not much slower than Saquon Barkley. So what do you think about that? Oh, Tiger Mike, man. You've been, yeah. Okay. So we were going back and forth about this on Twitter. Yes, we were. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm kind of taking this crusade that Rashad Penny is a better running back than Saquon Barkley. Everyone laughs at it because Saquon Barkley played much tougher competition, but Penny had a thousand more rushing yards than him. He had more return yards than him. He had more return touchdowns than him. He didn't have as many reception receiving yards. But his forty time was only six thousand thousandths. Wait, thousands six hundred six hundredths. Ran a four four six. Yeah. So now, yeah. His now his bench press was weak. It was like nineteen. So he was ten behind on the bench press. But I I think he also beat out Saquon in one other category. So uh it just you know, like you have these guys that are very similar and it like in the way that they performed in the combine, but Saquon Barkley, oh my God, he's so amazing. He's so amazing. But Penny showed up when he played Stanford. Yeah. You know? And Arizona State, they beat they, they beat the two Pac-12 teams for the first time in school history. Well, it was Pac-10 back in the day when we were there. But yeah, they beat Arizona State and following Stanford the following week. So two Pac-12 teams in, in you know, history, or not history, but in a long time. Yeah, so... Of course, I, I I don't think people are giving him enough credit. And hasn't San Diego State running back done anything significant in the NFL since Marshall Falk? I don't know. Ronnie Hillman had a couple good games, but yeah. I think Rashad he could be the, the the real deal, man. So then what's his face who broke the record last year? Who was on the Eagles who got hurt? Uh, Pumphrey. Pumphrey. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't even play, so we don't know how he's gonna he's gonna do. So hopefully he'll do well, then we can you know shout out to the Aztecs when they play. So. Yeah, I'm real. I'm excited about Penny. I'm trying to figure out where he's going to land, and you know, like he, I think he's really going to surprise people. Well, he'd be a good. Actually, like I said in the in the in our Twitter conversation replies or tweets, I think he could go to the 49ers in the third round because he's a good zone. He because he's quick. He's that one cut runner and go. And the Niners have uh, two third round picks, so I can see them drafting him if they don't draft Ronald Jones sometime before that in the the second round. So yeah, I think. He could be a legitimate pick for the San Francisco 49ers. Then you can come on the 49ers bandwagon, and because we're we're gonna go far next year. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, hey, no, it's true. I mean, think about this against Arizona State and Stanford. He had nearly 400 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns, and then he had like almost 70 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown. I mean, he he lit them up good, man. So yeah. You don't like you don't you don't see a big future for Matt Breda or is it Breda or Breda? Breda. Yeah, so you don't see him like kind of sliding in there and taking over Carlos Hyde's spot? No, I see actually Joe Williams. They drafted the he was from Utah. Uh-huh. And he he just had he had a hurt ankle, so they put him on IR, but I don't think it was that bad because he could have played during the season. But he had fumble issues in the preseason, so they just put him on ice. 
49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan went to the GM of the 49ers, Mr. Lynch, John Lynch, and he said, I'm going to be sick if you don't draft this guy. So they drafted Joe Williams, and he he was one of the fastest running backs. He could cut on a dime at full speed, kind of like what Reggie Bush used to do. So he fits well with the the zone stretch zone scheme that Kyle runs for his offense. So I think he could take over high. They might even need to draft. They might just draft a complimentary running back, maybe still overshot penny, but I don't think they'll draft anyone after the second or third round. They're not going to first round. No, I doubt even second because Shan- the Shanahan's and his dad, Mike have always found running backs in the later rounds, Terrell Davis, yeah, uh, Stephen Morris, you know, so yeah, so yeah. I don't see them drafting a running back early. So yeah, we will see how that how that goes. And yeah, other players, you know, other players stood out. There's just too much to talk about at the combine. But like I said, like uh, Queen Griffin, yeah, he he had a great performance. Saquon, you know, other players, you know, had great performances. It's just there's too much to go over in a short amount of time. But yeah, so those were the the performances. So we're right. we're we're running out of time. So we'll talk about the Sean Miller, head coach of the Arizona Wildcats, real quick. So essentially, what happened was is there is something that came out that the FBI had him phone tapped. ESPN came and reported this. So he was just, he, he didn't coach for a game, and I can't pronounce the player's name, Aiton, Aiton. He was, he was out of game two, and a bunch of players like Shaq's son decommitted from Arizona. But then once they did more research, I guess Arizona and the NCAA found that the report by ESPN wasn't, uh, what's the correct r- reporter word, wasn't uh, substantial. Accurate. Yeah, it wasn't accurate. Yeah, it wasn't accurate, substantial enough for him to be fired, suspended. So he comes back the next game. So it's going to be interesting to see. Now, one question is this: What should the Wildcats do? To what what's what's going to happen with the, you know, the NCAA and amateur sports? Because you know all these players are getting paid. It's it's been known since the beginning of basketball time in the NCAA. So what what what's your opinion? What do you think should happen? Uh. You know what? As a former Division One athlete, uh-huh. you just said that I was able to observe firsthand, like the amount of privilege and help that athletes get, and preferential housing, preferential tutors, their own studying hall or their own study hall, their like advisors that pay like very close attention to what's happening with them, and on top of that, they get to go to school for free. They have people offering them jobs left and right. People treat them like they're, you know, like they're little gods running around a college campus. And uh-huh. that's a lot. And I don't see why they would need to be paid because they're treated like royalty. So, yeah, well, well, they're treated by like royalty, but, you know, what, what's the percent of college players making it to the pro in any sport? It's like less than 5%, maybe 2%, less than 2%. So you, you read these stories all the time where these scholar athletes who have all that stuff, but they don't have money to go buy food outside of the, like, okay, so let's say during the summer when they're staying on campus, the chow hall, the the w- w- the dining hall is not open. So where, where are they supposed to get food? They're not being fed by the school. So they have to get money from someone to go pay for their, you know, pay for their uh pay their food because they can't afford to go you know eat and then some some schools they don't pay for their housing outside of the dorms so they have they live in apartments they can't afford rent so what you know what do you think's gonna how are they gonna how are they supposed to survive uh i think that's that's not so much on the system 
or sorry, that's not so much on the emphasis of the amateur athlete as it is on various rules and regulations and requirements for work because you, like it's not always as easy as just going out and getting a job. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's like specific things you can and can't do. And yep. you know, like it's, it makes it difficult, but here's the thing, man, like get a job over the summer. Like there are students there who spend just as much time studying as you do playing football. And what do they get? You know, if they want extra tutoring time, they have to pay for it. Like if they want to have their own study hall, like, why they're just gonna have to stay at home. Like if they want to go and talk to their advisor, they have to set up an appointment and it could take days or weeks. You know what I mean? It's just like, and there's, there's nobody there that is concerned about their grades because they're not something else. They're a student. When you're a football player, grades are important because it means if you don't have good grades, you can't play. And so grades are important. But what about the average student? Yeah. Like, well, you, well, you can make the same argument that a fo- an athlete was, you probably know, as a former Division One player, practicing, playing games, traveling, that's like a full-time job. So you're you're balancing full load of school, so 12 units or credits or whatever, they, depending if you're at a semester or quarter school, balancing that on top of practice schedules, of you know, team obligations, uh, traveling, you know, what you know, what have you. Then in the summertime, you, you know, you're left to fend for yourself. You're not support. Uh-huh. You're not supported during that summer, like you know, like most most college students are. They're working in the summer, but yeah, but you're there to play football. And if you have that structure going through the school year, why not have that during the summer? So the kid, you know, that kid who's on scholarship has. So so since we're running out of time, let's fast forward. So so I'll give you my two cents about what I think should happen, and you can give your two cents. So to to counteract this problem. What they can do, because let's be honest, the NCAA, it's a joke. They make so much money over these amateur athletes that, you know, they could set up a fund, you know, for money for them. So to these players that don't go professional, they could, you can, you know, have money enough to set them out for a year or two as a salary, you know, after you have to graduate first, obviously. So that can help them find that job, you know, can support them during that time and also start either a... A, a union or a group of college athletes that can go to the table, they can get some type of, you know, compensation, you know, for that. Because let's be honest, you know, call it university degrees don't mean much anymore. You go, the average college uh, graduate goes into so much debt and they can't even get a job in, you know, whether you're an athlete or whether you're a normal college student, you know, graduating, you can't even get the, a job in the field you're, you know, you got your degree in. That's why most people who graduate college go in the profession that didn't even get their degree in. And you can uh, give them a stipend every essentially have like a salary structure per depending on the sport, because obviously each sport's competitive, have a have a, a cap. So, so only certain you can only get certain amount of five star players and they get and they get a stipend of money to pay in the summer. So if they need that extra stuff that the university cannot provide them, they can have enough money. And it's it's on record. You have everything that's kept track. It's not nothing's gonna be hidden with this. You know, I'm not saying it's 100% perfect, but at least on record, you can say, okay, this is our, our cap, and this is how much money they get as a stipend to be a, a collegiate athlete. And this is from all the, the earnings and the profit we make from all, all the sports, you know, all the sports, you know, throughout the year, all the TV contracts, you will get a year or two salary to help you prepare, you know, to, to essentially to reward you for playing here, and this will help you get off into the real world 
by having money so you can invest in the house, invest in the car, or help you get start a business, you know, start that your you know, start your life post college athletics. I totally disagree. One hundred percent. One I mean, that's an interesting idea, but they are college students number one and they are athletes number two. And if the college has somehow made their football program more important than their academics, that's their fault. It's, you know, like you have all these students coming to the school who are working, some of whom are, are working just as hard as football players who go on to have careers that are very profitable and very prestigious that reflect well on the university and bring in money for the university's foundation. What do they get? Well, they don't get anything. You know, they no, nobody knows who they are. They don't care. When they were going through class, like when they walked into their physics class, there wasn't a bunch of people there that were like high-fiving. I'm like, bro, I saw your test results and they were amazing. That was incredible how you answered that one essay question, like definitely ESPN top 10. Like they don't get any of that, man. Like, so the, I, it's just... Football players, for instance, at the University of Southern California, probably get more than $100,000 of books and tuition and tutoring and all kinds of stuff paid to them when they're 18 to 22 years old. They're already getting paid. Well, they're, they're getting paid. Well, they're getting a free education, but they're not getting mon monetary. Yeah, they, they, they're getting a free education, but that they're, they're not seeing that after they leave college. Though. That's my point. Is well, Yeah, that's fine because nobody else sees that either. Yeah, like but, in, other people, like, but they have better opportunities. They have, they intern, they they have uh, like on the job training with colleges. Football players don't have that. Sometimes they just have their they they go there to play. Then they're not making it to the NFL or NBA or MLB or whatever professional sport. Then they they go just go some random job that they hope they either get into coaching or they hope to you know find you know better pastures somewhere else. Yeah, but I. Like, I understand that, but they, they just say, like, okay, they're, they're athletes first and, and students second. Just say that. Like, that, but they, that would make things a lot easier if the NCAA said, we're going to give preferential treatment to people who participate in high revenue sports at colleges because they're athletes first and then they're students second. Yeah. Well, it's entertainment. Yeah, you're right. You make a good point. So, that's why that, that's why all this this argument of oh well they're getting paid all this stuff outside boosters and all that stuff well yeah that's been going on that's that's part of the recruitment that's why you got to get something on paper so that will limit that so you'll spread the the talent pool you know make have some parity you know around you know football basketball is you give them a salary cap you give them a stipend to live off of and everyone has that if they if they take any more they can get kicked off that's like you have it you have everything doc you know documented. Well, how about this? Like, let's talk about the top academic schools in the country. We'll say Ivy League okay. and just pretend Ivy League is the SEC of, of academics. Shouldn't those students have some kind of compensation? Like, shouldn't they, for all the effort that they put into their studies, lack of sleep, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of studying, shouldn't the university be paying them something because of all the effort they're putting into their academics? because of all the social life they may or may not be sacrificing because of all the time they miss, like to see their family and whatnot, because they're studying for tests or they're doing exams or they're working on like an internship. Like you, like it's, 
those students go on to do amazing things that bring, you know, that cause donors to donate to Harvard's foundation, for example, which is, I think, the biggest in the entire country. But they don't get anything, you know? It's because basketball players and football players and soccer players and whoever it is sees the NCAA or the college making a bunch of money and they want to cut. And it's as if they don't understand that they are already getting an immense level of treatment and privilege and payment for all the free stuff that other kids have to pay for. And they just like, they, they just don't think that's enough. They want more. All right. I'll, I'll ask you this question then about someone going to Harvard. Okay. So someone who, who worked hard, as you said, but they went to Harvard. So most people that go to an Ivy league school, whether Princeton, Harvard, Brown, you know, what, what have you do most of those people get high paying jobs or get, get work at places where they make a lot of money? I, I don't know, but I would say the chances are probably better of them doing that than a football player. Yes. So they have opportunities because they go, they have the name behind them. They go, oh, I went to Harvard. So most people, their, their application is already at the top of the list. They have better opportunities, you know, because they chose, like I said, it's all about choice. They chose to go to an Ivy League school. That's why it's not entertainment. It's not sports. So that's why you're right. They, the NCAA should say athlete first. Uh, student second. So if, because if, if you look proportionately how much money the NCAA makes, uh, uh, compare that to how much they give in scholarships, it's still big. It's still like astronomically different compared to, you know, how much profit they make opposed to what they give back to the students as well, the scholarships. And, and, and if you want to, you want to, you know, say the definition agreed, there you go. Because yeah, yeah. th- that organization is doing, they're they're okay. We'll go back to Michigan. Remember the bad boys? The, the, they how much money you know? Because they had the the thug, the ghetto, you know how much money they made off those guys, and those guys didn't get anything, at least from outside of boosters and everything else. Well, and what I I just it's it's like we just think like because the school is making money off them that somehow. Like they're not getting anything out of it. They're not. But- I mean, I guess it's going back to the it's going back to the original point. Yeah, athletes get a lot out of it. They get a lot. They get preferential social treatment. They get preferential academic treatment. They get preferential housing treatment. They get preferential teacher from their or um, treatment from their professors. And so it's like, like it just. I, th- I think I guess we both can agree that the NCA just needs to say your athletes first, well, because then that yeah, that, just don't don't they don't have to take any classes. Okay, then we got then it begs, <laughs> it, it begs the question then what's the definition of an amateur athlete? Because if you look at the Olympics, the the Olympics don't get all that, uh, or excuse me, the Olympians don't get as much benefits as a you know a collegiate athlete, and they don't get you know and they get less. They the only time they train on their own dime, and until they go to the Olympics, that's when they're taken care of is in that village. Yeah. I mean, I, we talked about Chris Mazder last week, the guy yeah. uh, won a silver medal. The guy had to sell a Subaru just to pay for like his training. And he was getting like 500 to $1,000 a month from the U.S. Olympic Committee. And if you start losing races, then your funding gets yeah. cut. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, those guys are scraping by. It takes a tremendous amount of time for them to train to be an elite, class athlete and they don't really get much out of it man yeah so that 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 begs the question what is the definition 
of an amateur athlete because they might as well then get you can, that or you can do what you said or you can just get rid of collegiate athletics uh, everywhere and just start the minor leagues. They can get paid then just do the same system like the NBA, NFL, have salary cap for minor league teams and instead no, of going to college no, football no, no, games. No. That, that's it, that's the only option because you can't have amateur sports and have an organization like the NCAA making you know astronomical amounts of money and not and you know having these ath- quote unquote amateur athletes working for uh, yeah you're getting a college education get all this stuff but still they're not getting compensated for what they should be, at least get something more out of it just like the Olympic you know the Olympic athletes Olympic athletes should be compensated they should be allowed to be paid you know more for their services as athletes training you know going to the Olympic games whether winter or summer well I mean I think the big difference in in between that the Olympic athletes is that, you know, nobody goes and pays to see their Olympic time trial. Whereas you get an insane amount of fans going Dang. down to watch the Longhorns play in Austin or college station or Tuscaloosa. You know what I mean? Like well, or yeah, they, Athens. They, well, they, they don't make as much money, but you still get people selling, selling out the venues. They still get people to go. They're not like, it's not like it's like crickets there when you go to the venues. No, it's true. But I'm talking about like in the other, you know, three years and 11 months like where they're training and they're participating in events so they can qualify like there is a lot more money in the ncaa and that's a big difference i guess like they're just it is but you can't start a minor league man because the minor leagues is is miserable like you don't get paid that much well like it's well i'll bet you most uh nba or seniors you know those college kids first second year they'd rather play for like the nba uh, G League get paid a hundred thousand a year and be trained to the NBA, then go to the NBA versus having to deal with school. You know what I mean? Maybe they need to separate the two. Maybe have the five star athletes do minor leagues and have call, uh, kids. I want to be amateurs, really be amateurs and play collegiate, you know, sports. Essentially, okay, that, that, that's what it boils down to. That's what it boils down but, to. Okay, but here, here's here's the thing. Ed, if you are one of those five star athletes, would you want to go on the road? with a D league team that has like 30 year old dudes on it and is going from like McDonald's to McDonald's in a team bus. Or would you want to be a rock star at, for example, the university of Alabama where everyone knows who you are. People buy you stuff. They give you stuff. You can have any woman that you want. You can have any, like you can get into any party you want. Like you're a rock star. So why would you, why would you go on the road? Yeah. But you can have all that. Yeah, but you can make the argument though. Eventually, if all those superstar recruits go to these uh, minor league teams, those games will be more popular than college teams because you're not going to have the best players on the college campuses. So eventually, yeah, maybe at first that might happen, but I think eventually, if you get all four and five star recruits playing, you know, minor league football and basketball, Duke, North Carolina, Alabama for football, Auburn, you're going to lose those stars. The, the, the the competition is not going to be the same. It's going to be like watching junior college football, if you have junior college football, or watching like Division two II or three college football or basketball. It's going to be boring. No one's going to want to pay that money. They'll pay the money to go be entertained at these minor leagues. That's what it's all about, entertainment. Why do you think people pay so much to go to an NFL game, go to NBA game, NHL, MLB? It's because it's the cream of the crop. They're being entertained. They're willing to to you know leave reality for you know, a couple hours to be entertained by the best athletes in the world. So if you get that type of play 
a little bit less to the minor league teams, eventually that will be more popular than collegiate athletics because you're not going to have the stars play. They're all going to be, they'd rather travel around, get paid how much, wherever they're going to get paid. They can still meet the chicks there. They can still dine out. They can, the team can pay for them. You can, have, you can meet the fans. So, you know what I mean? So, eventually that could end up happening in a minor league team. Okay. Now, I could see that. I could see the NCAA working somehow with the professional sports leagues to like market it hype it because obviously you need a lot of marketing for it yep. you would need to rebrand teams like it just there would be a lot of things that would need to happen but yeah, i could see that. that that idea of sending off the best recruit, recruits to my semi-pro or minor league um, competitions and then taking the you know the three-star or two-star recruits and keeping them in college i mean yeah that's still that's still interesting i just i wonder what effect that would have on the student body like would would. Well, no one would go to games <laughs> if that happened. That's the thing is th- then the NCAA would lose money because they wouldn't have those star athletes, you know, playing for their teams. Okay. Well, I'll ask you this. Since it's amateur sports, look how much uh, Coach Krzyzewski makes, uh, John Calipari makes, uh, Coach Saban. So this is this is a professional coach coaching amateur athletes making 10 plus million a year. You think that's fair? Yeah, I do. Okay. Okay. Because athletes come into, okay, we're talking about basketball. Football is a different story. But basketball, you have players coming in and going just like that. The turnover is incredible. And yet somehow these coaches are able to maintain a winning program. Uh, And, you know, it's like Coach K is one of the greatest coaches in history. So maybe it's not a good example because obviously no player that comes through Duke is ever going to match the influence of Coach K, especially not in this day and age, but let's, I don't know. Well, let's go Sean Miller then, the one who's been indicted or the one that's been allegedly phone tapped. He, he, he had a $5 million buyout if he got fired. Essentially, it was like a, it was like a safe, you know. So do you think he should deserve it since he's been part of this cheating? He's making 10, he's making 8 million a year, but then he has a $5 million, you know, I don't know what you call that, uh, because it's a right, Arizona is a right to work state, but it's still like a fallback. I don't know what you would call it, you know, technically, but yeah, he had a $5 million payment if he got fired for any reason. Yeah. Like a, basically like a, a parachute, a golden yeah, parachute. parachute. Yep. That's it. Golden parachute. Yeah. Yep. So I don't know. I mean, I think, I think really what the university needs to do is do a better job of making sure that, that athletes have a chance to one study so that they can graduate with a degree mm-hmm. and get a job or just a job. And two, that they make sure that some of the players don't slip through the cracks. So like, I, I think you probably read the same story about the guy who was on the football team and he was homeless and mm-hmm. he was not your yeah. couch and had any, didn't have any food to eat. Yeah. And those, those I think are outliers that like it definitely happens. Well, that happens a lot, actually. That's what you read a lot about those stories. Even when I was at Eastern Washington, there were football players who were in that same situation. They were crashing on couches, living in friends' apartments. They don't have money to even buy food, even though they're on scholarship. They're still those players are still going through the cracks. Yeah. So, you know, maybe come up with them during the summer just to make sure that they have enough money coming into where they can eat. Yeah, you know. Yeah, get like a stipend. Yeah, from the university. That's on the books. And. It, same as since we always joke, college students are always eating ramen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And mac, mac and cheese. You know, like it's the college students are poor, and 
you know, athletes in some situations are no different. Um, but I think, I think what it is, is it actually goes back to what you were saying. You have your five-star recruits and they, I'm sure they get the Royal treatment. Like people invite them over to dinner. There's always food there for them. If you're not a five-star recruit, if you're just, you know, barely hanging on to your backup job, then I think it's a little different, you know, crashing up, which is not, not getting the same level of treatment. So I just don't think the NCA wants to get into this because there's just going to be, have to be too much that has to go on to prevent all this money from going around. They're going to have to probably set up an entirely new system of rules and regulations. And yeah. um, here's, I mean, here's a thought, man, like treat all the players the same. Yeah, but we know in reality that's never going to happen. That never, that doesn't happen in life. That doesn't happen in even even professional sports. So that's the only way you can do that is by doing a salary cap. You you get so much money per te- per school, and you can only you can only recruit so many five star, four star, three star players. That's the thing is that in life that's never going to happen. No one's going to ever be treated fairly, regardless of the fact. Yeah, well, I mean, okay. So just for the record, I played one year of volleyball at San Diego State University, Division One school a partial scholarship that was just basically 250 bucks a semester because the men's volleyball team had four and a half scholarships and the men's football team, I'm sure had like 60, 70 or 80. Not a lot, yeah. Right. Uh, so a lot of money and a lot of focus is put on, on those sports. What we don't think about are the other sports. Mm-hmm. You know, what about the golf? What about the volleyball? Yeah, girls sports. Yeah. Well, and even with girls sports though, girls sports are better when it comes to scholarships because the, the, the scholarships are distributed more evenly mm-hmm. because there's not a football team with like 80 players on it. Yeah. Smaller numbers. So like when we were playing, the women's team had 12 scholarships. We had four and a half, you know what I mean? And it's because the football program was sucking up all the money. Um, so it's like, there's a lot, there's a lot of different things happening and there's a lot of people falling through the cracks. And I think there should be a solution for it. Like you talked about, like trying to come up with some creative way to make sure that these athletes who spend their time playing sports and not studying um, are prepared to go out into the real world and find some work. Although I will say this, college degree earns you about a million dollars more over your lifetime than what you would get if you had a high school degree. Fun fact of the day. That is true. But the, but the, I, we'd have to check the study because as I talked about before, those jobs aren't available though anymore and college graduates are, acquiring more debt than ever before and they're not getting jobs right out of college that's true and i'll let's just leave it at that yeah we'll leave it at that because <laughs> we've gone way over time but this has always been it's always fun uh agreeing to disagree because yeah because we we have two different perspectives but we are respectful and we don't we don't do ad hominems we don't yell we don't attack each other's character so we can agree to disagree and still be friends but it's true. This is a Skip Bayless free zone. Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't just do hot takes just to just make something up just to get a rise out of someone. We bring it from where you know where we're both coming from. So yeah, cool. All right. Well, what what quickly? What do you got going on the rest of the week? Um, work. Tiger Mike just nice. writing and writing and writing. Nice. Likewise, I got kids, kids and kids teaching kids. So cool. All right. All right. Well. Thanks for joining us, everyone, for this longer edition of or longer episode of the Tiger Might Sports Show podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera. Leave us comments on Facebook, Twitter. Hit, hit us up. And yeah, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. Peace. 
Thanks for listening to the Tiger Mike Sports Show podcast. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Help support the show at patreon.com slash Show. For more episodes, articles, sports news, and all of our social media info, check out our website, tigermikesportshow.com. We'll see you same Tiger time, same Tiger channel.